I will reiterate, I never did an interview with Alan Shipnick, and I, I find that my experience with everybody associated with Live Golf has been nothing but incredibly positive. Hello there, welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast in association with Callaway. Michael McEwen here. Thank you as always for tuning in, assuming you always tune in, if this is your first time listening. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining the fun. Lots to talk about this week. Bryce Ritchie is back from his holidays, first and foremost, ladies and gents, the Bunker editor, sitting opposite me, not looking very tanned. Oi. Yeah, well, you know. I'm tanned. <laughs> I'm tanned. Are you? Right, okay. Welcome back. Did you have a good time in the Algarve, was it? Yes, it was. Very nice. Quinta de Lago, to be precise. Ooh, okay. Good time? Very good time. Yes. Excellent. Nice to unwind by the pool, Michael. Superbock? Superbock, not too many. Had one night where I got out of control, but apart from that, it's fine. <laughs> one night out of control? No, no, no. I'm what does out of control I just, mean? I, I jest. I went to bed about half eleven. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. You play golf when you were over there as well? How many rounds? Three? Just the three. Just the three. But I have to say, on the third round, I was knackered. I got to like 15, 16, I just realised, I'm done in. Where'd you play? Valdo Lobo first, which was sensational. Valdo Lobo? Valdo Lobo. Yeah. I've seen the pictures. Some holes by the cliffs there, if yeah, I remember rightly. Yeah, pardon it, mate. Um, <laughs> Net. Nope. Uh, no, lovely. Never played Valdolobo, and it was uh, first time. It was great. What was good about it? It's quite the greens were phenomenal. It was uh, reasonably open. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Well, it's quite. I'll be honest. You're playing in the Algarve. It's quite hard to lose a ball. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about playing in the Algarve. All the courses are kind of the same. Even my favourite course is obviously the old at Don Pedro. Yep. And you, you've got to hit a really bad shot in the Algarve to lose a ball. And I would have to say, I've played quite a few courses. I would say on any course in the Algarve, you lose a ball, you've done well. Okay. So Valdolobo and then... Valdolobo and then we played Victoria course. Oh, Don you must have lost a ball Pedro. there. There's water everywhere. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I did hit one in the water. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, I did. On the 11th. Tough golf course. Yeah, it's funny because I was playing with the guys and I was telling them I played here before and I played it with, uh, what's his chops, Alvaro Quiros, oh, yeah. Pro-Am years ago and he was absolutely superb and whenever he got near a hole with water, he just found the water oh, really? all the time. He hit two in the water at 18, he hit one in the water, was it at 15, 17? And I told that story and I walked on to the 10th and fired one in the water. <laughs> So it was great. Victoria's a great course. I don't yeah. know if a lot of people have played it, but if I know a lot of guys play this at Pinal and the, the other courses in the area because they're probably a bit cheaper, but mm-hmm. Victoria is amazing. And it's hosting the Portugal Masters next I week. Think it's I next think it is. Yeah, next How week. is it looking ahead of the tournament? Superb. Yep. Yeah. They've had a bit of a drought okay. in the Algarve, so they were clearly looking after the greens first and foremost because quite a bit of us, some of the course was a bit dry in some parts, but they'll fix all that and lead up. And then I played Quinta South, which had all been redone. I'd, I could get my figures wrong, but I spent, I think they've spent something like between 5 million and 10 million on the golf course at Oof. Quinta's uh, Delago. Uh, it was already South good. Oh, phenomenal, well. but they've taken a lot of trees out. And it was funny, on Valdo Lobo, we got to see firsthand where all the fires were, because I remember there was yeah, fires at Quinta right. Delago a few months ago. Wow. Some of the fairways are lined with trees that are just burnt. Oh, really? So, Jeez. No, Quinta was amazing. They've done an unbelievable job. That place looks like the Portuguese Augusta. That uh, good? Oh, absolutely magnificent. So, 
That was great fun. But when I got to the, I got to the last few holes, I was just, I was just absolutely done. So, how were you playing? Because we'll come to our most recent round of golf a little bit later on in the show. You've been playing well. So I played well, but as usual, I didn't score well. So, eighty six at Valdelobo, I think it was eighty two at Victoria. And then I was needing to play the last three holes at Quinta South in one under to break 80. And I went seven, blob, four. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you had a good time when I was busy taking care of putting the next issue of the magazine. Well, that is your job. You're not on holiday. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Care to elaborate? (laughs) Oh, no, no, it's fine. Just wait till you see the cover. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Excellent. So you're back and ready to get into it because there's a lot of ground we need to cover. Guess what's coming up? I'm sure you can. But first, let's start on a, a slightly lighter note, if we can. I'm sure you would have seen this tail end of last week. It was announced that there is a John Daly movie in the works. A biopic about the two-time major champion starring... Jonah Hill. Correct. So is that confirmed? Yeah, ish. So there's a website above the line, which is a, a pretty well-connected movie website. And they have the the scoop, if you like, that this movie's in development. Jonah Hill is going to star in it and produce it. Apparently the guy that directed Hotel Mumbai, if you've seen that, Anthony Maris, is going to be directing it. What's the Hollywood expression they use? Green lit. It's kind of amber at the moment, if anything. They've got all sorts of studios looking to get involved with it, seemingly... There's a lot of desire to make this happen. And not before time, quite honestly. We've been needing a good golf movie for how long? Have we? Yeah. Yeah, we have. The last decent golf movie was about 25 years ago, and that was, in fact, no, nearly 30 years ago, and that was Happy Gilmore. Yeah. No, there's been other. The Bobby Jones stroke of genius was good. Ah, the, um, not a fan. The one on, what's the, the one with Sean Connery's son directed? Jason uh, Connery. Yeah, that's Jason right. Jason Connery. Um, Tommy's Honour. Tommy's Honour. That was, was good, actually, I was, yeah. I, I was nearly greeting at that. That was a really, really good film. So your accusation that there hasn't been a good golf <laughs> film for 30 years is an absolute disgrace. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, could be brilliant and could be brutal. Yeah. It's going to go one of two ways. It's yes, certainly not never going, going to be, be a, in the middle. It was all no, right. It was all right, yeah. No, no. You were going to go, you know what, that was great. What do you expect it to be? Because Jonah Hill, for those who are unfamiliar with his work, started off as a bit of a comedy actor. I think that's still his strength, super bad and, and so on. Then he moved suddenly, away from that. Yeah, he yeah. suddenly got quite serious. And Wolf of Wall Street, if you've seen that, he's phenomenal. He's had a couple of best supporting actor Oscar nominations. It's hard to know what he's going to bring to that film. Is he going to straight bat it or is it going to be a bit of a piss take hard to tell yeah I've no idea I would like it to be quite serious because there's the one thing about John Daly is that there's a there's a much better golfer in there than people give him credit for yeah and he's a fascinating he has a fascinating story people love John Daly they love reading Why? stories about him because he's completely different to everyone else he's a, he's well I, I mean this in the nicest way but he's a drunk he's he's a smoker you know, the stories of him drinking, what, you know, 20 cans of Coke a day and stuff and three or four packets of fags and turning up drunk. He's the only multiple major winner in America that's never played Ryder Cup. All that stuff. The, 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 the religious freaks on the PGA Tour would never allow him to play 
in Ryder Cup because he didn't fit in and all that stuff is just magnificent stories. It's he's tabloid fodder. Is they love him. He's a misfit in a car crash. Yeah, but he's a great story. But there's there's a there's something there that's quite upsetting about that as mm-hmm. well. I, like part part of me does feel slightly sorry for him because if you say he is a misfit, he doesn't fit in. But he was actually a better golfer than most of the guys he was playing with at the time. But you know, is that argument? Did he throw away his career just through booze and fags and women and women, lots of women, and that's all conjecture, really, isn't it? We'll never know. Well, we might. The film might shed some light. It depends just how much Daly is involved with it. We don't know yeah. at this point if he's even got any involvement. I'd like to think that he does because. For those of us who follow golf, you want to get a better sense of him. You want him to contribute and be honest about some of the stuff that's gone on and maybe give his side of the story with a lot of the things and accusations that have been thrown at him. It's just, biopics are hard to do. You see like the Muhammad Ali one that Will Smith was in. Never seen it. It's okay, but I'm a Muhammad Ali freak. I've got books Always on think him. I've read all about yeah, him. I've seen his fights. There's potentially too was, many biopics. Yeah. That's the thing. And once you've, you know, the, the Elvis one. Well, there you um, go. I mean, you've seen that. Is it any good? There's sections in that film, which is some of the best cinema I've ever seen. Really, really good. But a good 40% of that film I could just bypass. Really? And never watch ever again. And that's the problem with biopics. You've got to tell a story. Yeah. You can't really, I mean, you're talking about Elvis, you can't tell Elvis's life in two hours. There's more to it. You, you couldn't even tell Elvis's death in two hours. No, no, it's so true. So how are they going to put it into biopic? But that's what they did. They squeezed it in, blah, blah, blah. So are you going to tell John Daly's story? Because there's so much going on in Daly's life. Yeah. You know, and forgetting the fact that he's he's ill. He's that part of the story as well. Mm-hmm. You've got all the divorces. You've got the... The music, the music, the music, yeah, the music. All my exes wear Rolexes, and you know his RV turning up. You know the stuff he does at Augusta. The hilarious time he he turned up with a TV reporter and played topless and bare feet. That's and, right. Yeah. You know, magnificent. The 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 club throwing. All this. I mean, we've talked about him for ten minutes. Not even scratched the surface when it comes to his gambling. That's so true. Or even the gastric band and all that yeah, sort he, of stuff. He blew. What well, did he not? Did he not blow a million in a night or something like that after he lost the tiger or something? It's just. It's frightening. Yeah, he's got so many good stories. I, I, I honestly, I, I tell you, anyone go on to Google. Google some of the John Daly interviews where he's mm-hmm. on talk shows in the states. Like he's one in Howard Stern is. It's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's a professional goal. He's played in the PGA Tour. You can understand why the PGA Tour... You take the PGA Tour 10 years ago and then take it 15 years ago, how straight down the line conservative it was, and bang, there's John yeah, Daly see, in front and, and that's the talking thing. about gambling and hookers and I slightly and worry that they're going to go down that route of it's the, the blue-collar worker taking yeah. on the establishment. That's what Happy Gilmore was. A lot of people don't realise that Happy Gilmore was in some ways a homage to John Daly. It came out in 96. Yeah. It's true. That that came out in 96. He'd won the PGA Championship in 91. Happy was the big-hitting prodigy that didn't really fit in, ruffled feathers. That's John Daly. We've had that film. I don't think necessarily it's going to be that. If you look at Anthony Maris, the, the director, to say Hotel Mumbai he did, and that was about the Mumbai terror attacks, that's his thing. He doesn't do comedy, so... Unless he's trying to branch so out. So he's probably going to have a bit more of a... A bit of grit. Yeah. The other thing that comes up is who's going to be in the film alongside Jonah Hill? 
moving over. This is going. So let's, <laughs> who's going to play VJ Singh and who's going to play Ernie Els? Well, and who's going to play a young Tiger? Let's cast some roles. I mean, I've picked three out that are significant to the John Daly story, if you like. <laughs> Costantino Rocca. You can't tell the story of Daly winning the Open uh, with without I, telling Costantino Rocca. Smacking yeah. their fists off the ground. If Ali Sin, I have no idea. Mark Ruffalo. That's my oh, pick. Oh, yeah. He could be quite good. Or Oliver yeah. Platt. Who's he? he oh, he's been in loads of things. Oh, I'll tell you what he's been in. Do you remember A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> so Oliver Platt... Let me let me show you a picture. This isn't going to go across very well on on a podcast, but I'll share a picture on Twitter. That's Oliver Platt. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's good casting. Brilliant. Yep. That's good casting. Mm-hmm. Not sure what his Italian accent's like, but we'll yeah. see. Next up, Butch Harmon. Now, he could be significant because he was coaching daily and he also quit that's saying got, he was obsessed with the, all the wrong that's things. That's got Russell Crowe written all over oh, it. Oh, I love it. Yes. It does. Uh, yes I know it doesn't get better than that it doesn't and finally presumably the villain of the story Tim Fincham Pacino no 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 no, no he's no. small enough is Pacino small yeah smaller than me yeah that's pretty hard he must be small yes because Fincham's small isn't he yeah he's sort of that sort of sort of evil tyrannical <laughs> dictator <laughs> which I think Pacino could do quite well either that or Tom Cruise so yeah but I actually think I've got it because not only does he look like him, he he could play the villainous role pretty well. And that is William H. Macy. Yeah. Or, he, or Willem Dafoe. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be William Dafoe. Oh, William. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or Steve Buscemi. No. He's a bit tall. Yeah. He's got quite a distinctive Finch face. But. So that's the thing. How much are they going to say about how much the PGA Tour didn't like him? I know. How, how deep are they going to go into that? And as we know, the PGA Tour famously doesn't disclose no. discipline. Say, what if the PGA Tour wanted some mainstream exposure? <laughs> they're going to get it with John Daly. <laughs> oh, brilliant. After the events of the last year. Probably that's doesn't what, look too bad, does it? what he? they need, yeah. <laughs> so, look, let's, let's go there then. By the way, no one knows when this John Daly film's coming out. It's in the early stages of development. But for what it's worth, I'm quite excited. I like Jonah Hill. But fine, right, let's look at the latest live drama because uh, you go away to the Algarve for a week and come back and all hell is broken, Lewis Price. Adrian Otegi won the Andalusia Masters at Valderrama last week, 19 under for four rounds. Incidentally, that's outrageous golf. And the big thing about that is he, of course, has played multiple events now on live. He played three of the first four live events. He was also one of the players who sued, or at least brought action, against the DP World Tour to challenge their sanctions. He wanted to play in the Scottish Open, if you remember, and wasn't originally allowed to. He, Poulter, Brandon Grace, and Justin Harding, I think it was, successfully challenged. So he has a little bit of a history with the DP World Tour and is the first active live player to win on either DP World Tour or the PGA Tour. Simple question, should he even have been playing? Yes. And why? Because he's a professional golfer and he was a member of that tour. And I think this has gone, got far too messy and we should all, it should be sorted out by now. I, I actually think beyond uh, Otegi and, and this plain argument, this has got 
ridiculously out of hand now. I think that's this. I know we're having a debate, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be having it, but it's ridiculous that we're now talking about this. Like, should yep. this guy be playing? Of course, he should be playing. He was a member of the tour. He's clearly a quality player. He went to take uh, an opportunity somewhere else, which offered him a lot of money. Regardless of where you think that money's come from, or, or what the consequences of him doing that will will do to the current tour that he's playing on, is not really part of the discussion. I think now, maybe at the beginning, yeah, maybe we were having those conversations, and there's a lot to be said about. I'm sure we're going to end up talking about Pelly. Sure, we'll end up talking about how DP handled that situation at the weekend. But when it comes down to it, I believe he should have been allowed to play. Of course he should have. Well, he's a cardholder, isn't he? And until yeah. such times as... He's earned that. Yeah, and until such times as the DP World Tour is allowed legally to ban players, like shift the goalposts effectively, or impose new rules on existing cardholders that say you can't go there and do that, then of course he's entitled to play. If he wasn't entitled to play, he wouldn't have been able to play. It is that simple, so... I also don't think that it's necessarily as straightforward as Willie went and played on live. There are shades of grey around that. Some people have gone for hundreds of millions of dollars, if the figures are true. Others have gone for tens of millions of dollars. Not seen any suggestion that Ategi did that or was offered that amount of money. As far as I'm aware, he went and played in those events because it was an opportunity to make a little bit of cash and to claw back some of the money he didn't make during covid he never at any point has said, publicly at least, I'm done with the DP World Tour, I'm yeah. a live player. Yeah. There are some people who have. Yeah, there are some people who have been... He's not one of them. Yeah, he's not one of them. There are some people who have been overly aggressive and anti-establishment tours, which to me is dis- disgraceful because they've literally paid for their houses in Florida and San Diego. And he's not one of those guys. No. He then had the issue on Saturday night when he had the 54-hole lead. Six shots clear after three rounds. And the DP World Tour's social channels largely ignored him. I don't actually think they showed any footage of him on their channels on the Saturday. They had to reference him in the report, obviously, because he was leading. But they did the absolute bare minimum. minimum. Proportionate. Considering what he has done in terms of his legal challenge against the tour, or is that just pettiness? It's a tough one. I think it is petty. I can see why they're annoyed. The guy, you know, put up a legal fight against against them, so they're obviously miffed. And there is obviously probably more behind the scenes than we're aware of, mm-hmm. because I think for the tour to be that against them publicly... They must have known that that would come out. Yeah, I don't think they're that naive. Even the people that run the social channels who will be told what to do must have said, look, if you do this, that, that you'll get backlash for this. And they've gone, we don't care. He's not getting the love that he deserves. Which I think is pretty stupid. Doesn't paint them in a good light. Of course it doesn't. You know, you, it's quite, it's, if you're on it, this is embarrassing. Yeah. yeah, you can rise above it or you can choose not to. And at the end of the day, he's also the leader of your event, yeah. which a sponsor is paying for, which... You know, yeah, you know, you've got to provide the coverage for the sponsor, even if that doesn't suit your narrative. Yeah. So I, I didn't think that was appropriate. I thought it was good, at least, that they seemed to react to the criticism that they got, and there was a lot yeah, of criticism. It changed, and they gave him a bit more love on Sunday. But 
thing that I don't understand is they must have known at some point there was a chance of a live golfer leading one of their events. Surely there must have been a plan in place for, okay, in the event that happens, what are we going to do? I think that's it. Just blank, blank Effectively them. blank them. Whoever made that call has made the wrong call. Mm-hmm. Listen, all the tours have made a lot of wrong calls. This is why we're in the situation we're in. You know, we'll come to Pele. We have to come yeah, to Pele. But getting there. Yeah. Decision making's not been great. You then had the issue with... I mean, we could go all day. There's loads of stuff. But you'd, one thing that stands out is the Twitter spat between Eddie Pepperell, Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood. This all came about because Alistair Tate, long-standing golf writer, very good golf writer, formerly of Golf Week, wrote a piece pointing out that the there must come a tipping point for the sponsors we've just been talking about. At some point, they might look at the strength of the fields, only two of the world's top 50, playing in Andalusia last week, and go, we're not getting banged for a buck, and perhaps invest in live instead. In response to Alistair's story, Lee Westwood chimed in and Ian Poulter chimed in saying, yeah, great job, spot on, bang on analysis, which prompted Eddie Pepperell to ask Ian Poulter why he wasn't playing at Valderrama last week, if he cares that much. Poulter reacts, Pepperell replies, Westwood replies, and the whole thing just got ugly. You can read all about it. We've got all the the tweets that matter on the Bunkered website. Point being, it was a bit of of an ugly set to... They both, both sides of this are in the wrong, are they not, Bryce? I don't know. I think Pepper will make some good points. And if you take away the bias, some of the things that Poulter said, I kind of agree with. Some of that, that's the problem. You know, it, it's his right to play where he wants. You know, it, he's... The thing is, Pepper knows that. He also yeah. knows why he's not but playing Valderrama. But they're ant- antagonising so that, each other. Yeah, that's what I mean when I'm saying that they're both in the wrong. That passive aggressiveness, come on. You, you you know the answers by now, guys. It's slightly boring. It is getting slightly boring, but it is creating drama. You know, and everyone loves a bit of drama. Um, See, I, do they, though? Because I'm seeing loads of people now on social saying, this has got to stop. Well, the engagement, numbers. Would, the engagement would say otherwise. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you, that wasn't there three months ago, Bryce. Now it is. There are people saying, just stop it. Actually, I, I read... I, I skimmed Alistair Tate's article and I didn't. I remember thinking, I don't quite agree with that, but I, I, it's come to the point now where I can't actually bring myself to go deep into it because I just feel as though we've, we've come to a point where, like you've just said, I've had enough. Yeah, you. I'll be honest, you seem scunnered with I've, it. I've had enough. It's like we've we've talked about this and eventually you've just got to realise if, if this has got to a court case next year, this, we've got a long yeah. 12 months in front of us with this every couple of weeks. You know, it's just become insane. And there's Brutes Kepka saying he's got a long time and no events to play and he's in form. You think, are you off your head? Like, I can't actually believe you've said that. But then, then I can believe you've said that because you're just, it seems like they've lost the plot. The live players? Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh, we don't have a lot of events. No wonder, mate. You just joined a tour that's only got, what, 15 events? What What do you expect? You're not going to play anywhere else. It's total madness. So he's not going to play anywhere else, and he's going to look forward to the Masters. And I just, I've always said this from the beginning, I think it's absolute madness that anyone would join Live. Absolute, utter madness. You're already a multimillionaire. 
you're going to finish, Brooks Kepka's going to finish his career, I know we're going off tangent, but sod it, Brooks Kepka's going to finish his career with probably a few hundred million in the bank if he carried on the way he was. Big sponsorships. More money than he needs. Play every odd year, getting 10, 15 million in the banks, win a couple of FedEx Cups. Yeah. One year you get 22 million, next year you get 26 million. They've just bumped the prize funds. I know they bumped the prize funds because of live. They were going there anyway. They, they were going there anyway. It. They just made it quicker. So it's not as if he's going to be poor. And then they choose to play less golf. And then they choose to play a different form of golf. Which I cannot get my head around. And we've talked about this a hundred times in the pod. And it's now becoming like, oh, here we go again. But it's madness. That is genuinely madness. If they'd turned on to a tour that was 72-hole stroke play, run in, in the same format, none of the shotgun business, same format with 150-odd players, I could understand why. Like, if if Liv... would have also made their world rankings case very much open and shut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Liv had decided to just take over DP and, and Keith Pelly mm-hmm. said, you know what? Yeah, okay. Let's do this. And we'll create our own sort of system and, you know... Instead of playing for 1.2 million a week, we're, we're now playing for 15, mm-hmm. 20 million. They would have done the same thing. They would have left because clearly they're leaving for money. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Brooks Kepka has waited the last 10 years and thought, you know what? I get to November and the close season. I really wish I could just play 54 <laughs> hole note shotgun. That's what I need to get my game <laughs> to the next level. That's how I want to prepare for Augusta. It's not, it's, it's money. Not. So if they put the money into the DP world and said, look, We've done this. Look at all the money here. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They, they, would have, they would have gone, but they didn't. Yeah, well, that's more complicated, obviously. You know, I think they wanted to. Yes. Which brings us to Keith Pelly. Obviously, there's a lot of unrest on the DP World Tour. Lots of players unhappy. Some people seem to be quite happy, but it was interesting at the weekend to see Alejandro Larathabal, older brother of Pablo, former amateur champion. He made a comment or several comments on Twitter at the weekend saying that Keith Pelly has to go effectively. He believes his time is up, his handling of this hasn't been good enough and he wants a change of leadership. Very conservative party Liz Truss getting to be almost, but we, we've spoken a lot about Keith Pelly in terms of what he's got right and what he's got wrong. We all know now the, the Malta meeting stuff as well. The longer this goes on and given the current trajectory of the DP World Tour is his position Tenable or untenable? I'll be honest, it's not necessarily for me to say. Oh, I know it's, it's not. Uh, That's why I'm asking your opinion. I want to know what you think. People want to hear what but you, I don't know. as a prominent I, I, figure in golf, think about I, I don't know. I, I don't know the ins and outs of those conversations. Keith Pelly did a lot of things that potentially saved that tour. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they had to sell the stadium rights to do it, but it's, it's a healthier tour now than it was four or five years ago. Well, five, six years ago. But then, things so? have, but then things have changed. So is the tour healthier now than it was 12 months ago? No, I, I wouldn't think so. So you've got to stand up and be counted. I'm not sure he has. But listen, Michael, we don't know the financial implications of those decisions that he made. I think the call for whether his position is tenable or untenable should be made by the players' council, by the board. And they clearly feel as though he's the man for the job. Do they? He's still in the job. Doesn't think mean it, they necessarily feel that he's for it. I mean, well, if they if they can, that that's a player owned tour. They they can literally 
turn around and, and have a revolt and say, sorry, you need to go. But that hasn't happened, probably because they've kicked out all the guys that were on it. But it You've is, got guys like Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño replying to Alejandro Lorathabal saying, you know, some of us have already attempted to challenge this. There is unrest. There is know? unrest. And it whether or not the players' much. representative council is being representative of the players is another matter. It might be, it might not be. But what we can see now, players are publicly speaking out about how unhappy they are, some of them. Yeah. Which is very, put it, very bad. Put it this way, it's not a good look when... Look, you take yourself back to the last Ryder Cup. Could you possibly have imagined that some of those guys in that European team would not be allowed to play yeah. for Europe next? And the guy who was going to be made captain would be made captain and then have to resign because he wasn't allowed to be made captain. You could never have imagined you that. You could never years. have imagined that. That is mental. Playing the Ryder Cup is an honour. And there's guys saying, I doubt I'll get to play again just because I've gone somewhere else. That's insane. And they've constantly said the Ryder Cup's not about tours, it's about continents. Not seen any evidence of that lately. No, doesn't appear to be the case. The only way it's got to be about a tour is you need to be a member and yeah. stipulate certain tournaments in order to come up the rankings and so on and have your membership and so on. But now it appears to be, well, I don't really like that. Well, this is the thing. The DP World Tour is just the custodian of the Ryder Cup in Europe. Are you telling me that if somebody came to the DP World Tour and said there is whatever, whatever figure it is, 200, 300 million to buy your rights from the for the Ryder Cup and we'll take them. That has always been the big worry. Someone I mean, would come in but and this take is the, the thing. commercial they're, rights for the Ryder they're Cup. They're acting in their own best interest and not that of the match that they claim is sacrosanct and it's this uh -huh. and it's that. I'm not seeing any evidence that they're doing what's best for anybody other than themselves. Now that's fine. They're a commercial organisation. Of course they've got to balance sheets and all that sort of stuff. That's fine. But I think it doesn't it, mean it's the right approach. I think if you take Pele, I think Pele has he and his advisors have almost called the Saudis bluff mm -hmm. by saying, we don't really want your investment. We want to be on our own. We've already got investment with Dubai. That's a, what, is that not like a 10-year deal or something? We've, we've already got that investment. We're tied into that. We want to continue the way we are. And we don't want to be involved with you. And I already know the PGA Tour don't want to be involved with you either. So we're not interested. And it's almost as if they've thought, well, that'll be that then because they'll not go on it on their own, because they can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And the Saudis have said, no, we will. And they have. And I think, if you're being honest, they have surprised every single person in world golf to where they are now. Every single person. Because I don't think anyone believed that they would get these eight events off the ground. And I remember this time last year saying there's no way they're going to get golf courses, golf resorts to host them. It's just not going to happen. And there they are, about to get Valderrama by the looks of things. Yeah. One of the European Tour, sorry, DP World Tour's longest standing partners. Partners. Yeah. Madness. My, my feeling, I mean, I, I like Keith Pelly. Any interaction I've had with him, he's been fantastic. Good speaker. Seems to be honest. Did the courtesy of giving me a call around the Malta stuff. He could have put his head in the sand and quite happily done nothing with it. But he didn't. He fronted up. He was very good when he came on this pod a couple of years ago. He was a great guest. He's been innovative, he's tried new things, and he's had to deal with unprecedented challenges. Ken Schofield, George O'Grady, John Jacobs, none of them had to deal with a global pandemic that shut their tour down and nearly killed it. None of them had to deal with an upstart that basically came in right over their heads and said, we are now the biggest tour in golf. 
he's had a hell of a hand to deal with. But it's not about that now. It's not about the past 18 months. It's about how does the tour go forward and get better for the players who want to play on it. Is a wartime leader like Pelly seems to have become, is he the right guy to take them forward? And the same question applies on Live, by the way. Mm-hmm. Greg Norman, is he the right guy for the long term? Jay Monaghan in the PGA Tour, is he the right guy? I just wonder if they're Do waiting we only for get it to, to peace? fall. Do we only get to peace with three new guys? Yeah. That's the thing. But what what is peace? Because for the PGA Tour and the DP world, there's no peace with Live in the scene. That's the problem. You got to look at the last few events in Live that, that I mean, there's Brooks Kepka winning an event and it effectively means nothing. Like let's be honest. Do you not go down in the rankings? Yeah. It effectively means it means very little. Absolutely. It's nice for his bank manager, I'm sure, and all well, that sort of stuff. If you believe it, he's already been paid that money anyway. So Or his brother's bank manager yeah. then, maybe. His brother's getting a lime green Lamborghini out of it. Nice. Yes. That's all right, isn't it? prefer it in blue to be completely you honest <laughs> but yeah you're right it doesn't really mean anything and it was interesting so someone offered you a lime green Lamborghini be like oh I don't really like that it doesn't suit me in the words of Christine Bale in Batman Begins does it come in black <laughs> <laughs> yeah look no one watching as well and in, in Saudi wasn't a great look for live nobody like 17 people I think I counted at one point around the 18 but that's that's no different to the other events that have been held there, so I'll give them that. But there wasn't a huge YouTube audience. wasn't a huge YouTube audience. There was a better crowd for when Harold Varner won the Saudi International this year. There were more people there. How many more? 200? A lot more. And the same when DJ won, the same when Graham McDowell won. It's a challenge that Lib's going to face. It's just, you know, you want to be this global tour and you want to provide great golf and interesting golf for the were, world. I did but notice, does the world want it? I did notice they were quite quiet. They weren't as shouty about how great they were. And the pictures did not look good. And I noticed that Greg Norman was quite quiet. Wasn't a lot of, look how great we are. Look what we've delivered. But that's one event. I know. They probably just won't go there again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I want to come on to that a little bit more. We're running slightly over in this first half, but, you know, there's something we need to pick up that's quite important. Slightly to do with that in part two so do not go anywhere we'll be right back just after this to create an iron that performs like nothing else you need to build it like no one else has so we constructed the new rogue st irons with a high strength 450 ai face cup doubled its tungsten weighting for optimal launch and added even more urethane microspheres for exceptional feel and sound Every aspect of Rogue ST has been precision tuned to create our longest iron ever. The new Rogue ST irons from Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunker podcast in association with Callaway, Michael McEwen and Bryce Ritchie here. We're going to pick up the conversation that we were having just before the break. First of all, Bryce, before we do that, I did tell people at the top we'd talk about the most recent round of golf we played together at Dumbarney, oh, the day, two days before you went on your holidays. I'm going to do something I don't often do, and I'm going to give you some credit. You played very, very well. There's a turning point has happened in your game, and that is the end of the compliment. Dumbarney, however. Can you not just keep talking? No, no, no. Well, let's talk about Dumbarney and use the compliments there. It had challenges this year, as we know. Scotland's newest golf course. 
It's had challenges throughout, to be honest. It opened in the middle of the pandemic. This was meant to be its first full pandemic-free season and it had issues with the Greens. We've now played it a few times. Your thoughts on how it's looking? Phenomenal. I am glad I turned down the opportunity for a wee nip on the first <laughs> tee. He was desperate to get us to take that. It was a Loch Lomond Whiskey or something. Lomond he was Malt, desperate yeah. to get us to take He seemed a bit miffed that we turned him down for the whiskey because we're real athletes. But I think if I'd taken that, it would have been quite a different round of golf. Because I don't know about anyone, I don't know about you or anyone listening, but I cannot play, al- I cannot play golf with any alcohol in my system. I know I mean from the night before, that's fine. But I can't have a pint before I go out. No. I can't have a pint on the course or, you know, people taking cans of lager out and stuff. I cannot do that. Why would you? Oh, it's just messes me up. Uh, you cordial. don't go and play fives and, you know, have a glass of wine when you go and go. Yeah, but to be fair, when I was young, when I was about 19, we used to play fives when I'm Powell's. I was always having a fag outside the state before we went in. Was he Robert Prosnecki? No, he was good. <laughs> no, I, I love Dunbarney. It's just such, we played it off the third forward tees. I think there's five sets of tees. Yeah. So there's a, the back and then there's... The next back. The next back and then there's the middle back. We played in the middle. <laughs> and it was great. You yeah, know, it, it, it gives you an opportunity to hit driver, hit some long irons. It's good fun. That's what a golf course should be. Mm-hmm. And if you want misery, you can play it <laughs> off the back. And, and if we Imagine if we'd played that off the... Because the... the the wind was into our faces in the front nine. If we played off the back tees in the front nine, that would have been torturous. Yes. So why do it? Exactly. It's not fun. Exactly. Some of those, th- th- was it the seventh would have just been, I can't remember what hole it was, it would have been horrendous. Well, seventh was downwind. Yeah. I mean, that I was tremendous. I can't I, remember. I walked up the fairway feeling great about myself. Yeah, but there's some great, there's some great dog legs. Yeah. It's really good covering bunkers over certain parts of the fairway. Split fairway holes as well. Yeah. To them. It's great fun. It's uh, it was in magnificent condition, and there's just gamekeepers everywhere working their tail off because yeah. I think they're going to close. I think David was telling us they're going to close. Was it four weeks early and open up five weeks late or so? Mm-hmm. So, put it this way: they are looking after that golf course. They have the privilege to do that. A lot of places don't. That's why it looks in such great condition. Mm-hmm. But they do a great job as well. I mean, the way they've turned around the greens from what was a disease, I think, yep. was absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Price is quite right. And yeah, the golf course did actually close just yesterday for the season. It'll reopen next, well, when new season starts in 2023. Yeah. Highly recommend, if you haven't seen it already, do go and check it out. Jump onto their website. There's full details there about how much a round's going to cost you and, and so on. Book it. It's as simple as that. Book the round. You will not be disappointed. If you want fun golf, that yeah, is the place to go. that's what it's for. Yeah. And have the bacon and egg with haggis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the look on the waitress's face when you ordered three fillings. Yeah, that was good. I'll, and the look on your face when you realised you hadn't charged your moto caddy. Oh. <laughs> so Michael was in the car park and he's on, oh no. <laughs> and his moto caddy wasn't charged, so you pushed your moto caddy for yeah. 16 holes. And if yeah. moto caddy are listening to this, how is it that you're... <laughs> Your cart wasn't charged because we were playing on the Friday. No, 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 no. I charged so, it on the Tuesday. And we were playing on the Thursday. With so the intention to go and play nine holes on the Wednesday. We were playing on the Friday and I thought, well, sorry, yeah. I've not used it. The battery will be fine. No, it won't. No, you have it's to It's like a mobile it. phone, isn't it? It drains. Yeah, it drains anyway. Um, but how how is it that your cart came to life on the 17th tee? <laughs> What's working? I could not believe it. <laughs> so, All of a sudden, this thing just takes off out my hand. What? 
So that, that was brilliant. Yeah, it's very strange. What wasn't brilliant was buying a set of mitts. I think you still owe me money for those. I do owe you money for them, and then re- going home into the cupboard and realizing I already have a brand new <laughs> set of mitts. <laughs> so, oh, oh no! <laughs> so, Dumbarney made even more money out of us. Well done, Dumbarney. Yeah, there we go. Great golf course. I had a, a challenge in the tenth, if you recall. Speaking of the trolley, oh, I was just I thought. I assumed it was the wind, but basically. On the 10th, there's a little burn that cuts the fairway. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a good drive, or so I thought. It kicked off a bank and bounced into the water. So it's just a little shallow burn. I've gone to collect my ball. I've stumbled. Had to put both my knees down. Not in the water, fortunately. but just short. So my knees were soaking. And just as I stand up, there's this massive splash next to me. And I look around and there's my trolley lying on the side like Johnny Five from Short Circuit if he's just been pushed over. Go, what the hell's just happened? I figured that it was the wind. Augusta wind had blown it. Augusta wind? Augusta wind. Because <laughs> it wind unlike any other. <laughs> but I'm now wondering if it came to life at that point as well. Because it did later on in the round just you out mean, of wa- Water and batteries don't really go, I have to say. No, no, it would have gone. But then it's landed in the water. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe... Something strange anyway. I don't know what's happened. But, nonetheless, great fun. And thank you to Dumbarney for, for hosting us. We will be back next year, no doubt. Right. I was going to deal with this in the first half, but there's there's two guys, Bryce, that we, we need to talk about that are making noise. And the first of those is Phil Mickelson. I don't know if you saw much of this last week because you were sunning yourself. <laughs> Phil... Phil made some very interesting comments ahead of the the event in Saudi Arabia. Amongst other things, he said that golf is lucky to have Saudi Arabia investing money in it. And then he went on to say that he believes he's on the winning side with Liv. He says the PGA Tour is trending downwards and Liv is trending upwards. He also said that the USA and UK are not favourable to live. To quote him exactly, everywhere outside of that around the world, live golf is loved and eventually they will come around and they will be accepting of it too. But everywhere else in the world, the ability to move these tournaments, I've spoken with people that have had dealings that have not been positive with the PGA Tour and have had nothing but positive experiences with live. In a few years, it will not only be accepted but appreciated the involvement and influx of capital into this sport and what it's doing. Reminds me of a former president, the way he's banging on. But what are your thoughts on what Phil said last week? Because he's not spoken much since Liv got underway in June. Now he seems to have found his voice. It's gaslighting nonsense. I don't understand why he's so angry. Why is he so angry? Why is he so anti-PGA Tour? Because they took some of his YouTube money. He feels that his media, his owed media rights and owed media bonuses for years I've been on the TV, that he's owed some of that kickback. It's it's actually quite embarrassing. And now they're, they're, they're taking on this gaslighting thing where they're just saying anything, thinking it's going to stick. Like We're loved all over the world. You just played in front of about 14 people. Exactly. What are you talking about? Like, But it's the, it's the thing now, you can do this now in the, in, in the media and social media, certainly. You just keep saying something 
no matter whether it's right or wrong, you just keep double down all the time. Just keep saying it. And eventually people will forget about it and they'll move on to something. It's like Boris Johnson. He just keeps saying something that's complete drivel. And then three days later, say something else that's complete drivel. Three days after, after that, say something else that's complete drivel. Before you know it, they've forgotten what you said the previous week. And you move on to something else. And you're always in the spotlight. So you become this figure that people are suddenly interested in what you've got to say. But it's actually nonsense. And the people that criticise you for it, you just attack them and you keep attacking them and saying they're wrong. And you keep going, you keep going. And it's just a never-ending cycle of... Bullshit. Bullshit and lies. And that's what it is. The thing about Phil is that it's a really sad end to an unbelievably good career. Really sad. I, I find them hard to warm to. You always get this thing that never meet your heroes or you never really know what somebody's like who's in the throes of fame. You, do, you don't really know them. I think we're getting to find out what Phil's really like now because it's quite strange. It's like he's having a midlife crisis 10 years late. It's really strange. I mean, think about what, what happened when he won that PGA. I, I watched that and I just thought, this is incredible. This is genuinely incredible. We're watching history. Now I almost wish it didn't happen. It's like he's flipped. And I, 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 it's depressing. I think the guy is just... You, you hit the nail on the head. Hard to warm to. He's, he's hard to like. You know, I, I was a massive Phil fan when I was younger. Thought he was brilliant. I remember being starstruck the first time I went to the Scottish Open 2004 as a journalist. My first Scottish Open with Bunkered. Phil walked past in the driving range and I was just dumbstruck. Holy crap, that's Phil Mickelson. <sighs> How the mighty have fallen. He's just... He's an embarrassment. He's selfish. He's greedy. Why? Why? Why is, and this why is, is he and like this? More to the point, why now? Why? You know, he has done so well out of the PGA uh, why, Tour. Why is he so anti-PGA Tour? I don't, I, genuinely, it's head-scratching the, the guy, The guy has made over $90 million on the PGA Tour. Only one player has made more, and that's the greatest player in history. And because of that, he makes $40 million a year off course. Exactly. So what, why does he... And where, a, where was complaints before? This is what makes his complaints and his... I'm growing the game and we're taking the game global. Just, it makes it's it like it's it's, disingenuous shit. Uh, it's like it's personal. I get the feeling that he has gone to PG Tour headquarters and said, I'm owed this. Mm -hmm. Look what I've done for your tour. I am owed this. And I want it. And they've said, Phil, you're owed nothing. There you go. And it, he's flipped. And it is, it's genuinely angered him. And it, it, it looks like that's what's happened. Because mm -hmm. you can't... Otherwise, how do you explain the vitriol he's got for the PGA Tour? I cannot put my finger yeah. on it. And the it complete can't just and come utter down. lack of respect for it. Absolutely. Well. I mean, you and can go and, peers. go and play and live by all means. A lot of people have, by the way. Cam Smith, Mark Leishman. Uh -huh. These guys have gone to live and said, not a cheap, they've just got on with business. Uh -huh. Phil has gone there and he has done nothing but belittle. See if his golf was half good, we'd be talking about him winning live events. Uh, he, but he, it's not. So we're having to talk about how disrespectful he is to something that made him. Uh -huh. And it's also the fact that he, he, he's saying that the PG Tour is trending downwards and it's it's going the is way it? it doesn't want to go. And, you know, it's not in the right place and that's not where the future is. And that's a tour that currently Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods are dedicated to. He's effectively slapping him in the face. Yeah. What I find quite strange is that Tiger has said almost nothing. You know, he, he opened mm -hmm. up at St Andrews. He opened up and started speaking. We all thought, oh. Mm -hmm. 
And then that was it. But Tiger's famously private about, he keeps everything to his chest. He doesn't say anything. And I just wonder next time Tiger's in the limelight, whether they'll say, what's what's happened here? Yeah, Tiger's not saying anything because he's not been asked, because he's not been anywhere to be asked. He doesn't want to be involved in it. I don't know. But I, I just... Phil's stance is bizarre and then come out and say it wasn't an interview and stuff and you're like oh, the Alan Shipnick yes. stuff yeah I mean there he is he's splitting hairs now you're completely right that's gaslighting he's making people think that what they, they actually didn't speak he's splitting hairs over whether or not it was an interview what he's not doing is denying that he said what he did he's trying to deflect and shift the attention onto Alan Shipnick Alan's a big boy he'll love the attention as much as anything else great for book sales you know he'll he'll be totally fine with it what I'm not fine with is the idea that Phil is trying to preserve and protect himself by trying to besmirch the reputation of a respected professional writer. It's That's not, yeah. out of order. He's trying to finish the PGA Tour. He's trying to. It looks like he's trying to kill <laughs> yeah. it off. Why would you do that? PGA Tour is bigger than Phil Mickelson, so good luck with that film. Yeah. The other one, Sergio. Let's go there. He reckons his Ryder Cup career is now over, and I think he's right. The record point scorer in the history of the match. He had until a week past Friday, was it, to enter the Mallorca Open this week that would have made him eligible to retain his tour status. He's not now done so, so it means he can't meet the minimum number of events required to stay a tour member, which means he's not eligible for the Ryder Cup. So irrespective of which way the legal hearing goes early next year, where it will be determined whether or not live players can play in the match or not, (laughs) if the result comes in their favour, it's not going to matter a jot to Sergio. He is out. And you know what? He seems fine with that. Ish. He says he loves the Ryder Cup. Loves it too much. And it's because he loves it so much that he's not going to be involved because he just doesn't think people want him. You talk about this being a sad end to Phil's career. My God, it's, it's even worse with Sergio. Brutal, because Sergio's not in the same, he's not in the same mainstream world as, as Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson, no. Phil Mickelson is a huge, huge star in golf. Massive star. Sergio is not there. And there would have come a time where Sergio Garcia would have captained a European side in Spain. Yep. That would have happened. They'd have made it happen, wouldn't they? Not going to happen now. It's just... But Sergio's not covered himself in glory either. And to be honest, let's not be about the bush. There's quite a few times in his career Sergio's never covered himself in glory. Mm -hmm. He's he's had those moments. He's always been petty. He's Mm -hmm. always been brash. He's always been kind of unlikable, but then likable at the same time. He's one of those guys that you just think, yeah, he's he's a good guy, but actually sometimes he's a bit of an arse. But we always forgave him because it was Sergio. <laughs> you know, I've interviewed him a couple of times and I always found him just kind of full of shit. <laughs> I'm quite way. honest. Just, you know, just kind of, I just get that impression from Sergio. There's always an agenda. And he had that sort of petty, arrogant temper, which I know he's Spanish, but not all Spaniards have that arrogant. It's, that it's the same way as not all that, Scottish so people all, eat haggis and no, kilts. They're passionate, but. Sergio was just a bit, always to me, he was over the line. It's just Was there something so particularly poorly. said or was it just a vibe that you got? I remember I played golf with him. I've said this before. I played golf with him at Turnberry. We played nine holes, six, six nine holes. And 
his putting was atrocious. I mean, he just never held a putt the whole time. And I asked him about his putting, he said his putting was great, it was fine. I think this was 2008 or 2009, early 2009, I think, and his putting was poor. And I asked him about it, he said, no, his putting is fine. You don't even enter into the discussion with me. At least open up and tell me what you're working on. Nothing. No, he was just, he never liked confrontate, confrontation. He didn't like any of that sort of, he, he didn't get on with the American fans. But we, but we all know why, you know. But then you've got to the end of his career and it's just, what a sad end. I mean, Sergio's going to disappear into the live I don't know where Liv's going to be, and I, I'm, I'm saying this right now, I'm not anti-Liv. No, none of us are. I'm not anti-Liv whatsoever. At the start, was I anti-Liv? Quite possibly, yeah. Because there's a wee bit of fear. You think, well, it's change, and no one this? likes change. No one likes change. And at least we're honest to admit that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not anti-Liv, but I do get the I do have the fear that it's just going to dwindle. They see the way it is now, they can't have Liv like that next year. And they certainly can't have it two years after that. It's going to have to evolve into something that's a big deal and that people are actively wanting to go to for free. Because Phil is on the edge of retirement. Yeah. Phil's on Champions Tour, so he he could go. DJ might just turn around in two years and go, you know what, I quite fancy spending the rest of my life on a speedboat with Paulina. And to be honest, who could blame him? <laughs> if I had live money, I'd go into a Natalie and Brulia. It's as simple as that, so... <laughs> The question is, would she go on tour with you? Why not? I've got love money. No. <laughs> there's that... Don't take away the dream. There's that whole... I'm sorry, we're talking about Paulina. I've just lost my train of thought. <laughs> talking about guys disappearing potentially into the vacuum. That's it. So the, the, where is Liv going to be in two, three years? Because they've got to bring these star names through. Mm-hmm. So you've got guys like Cam Smith. Cam Smith's going to have to go and win another major in order to retain his status of being a star name in three years but I think his his opportunity to win those majors is now lessened because he's playing live. It'll make a win even more impressive. Absolutely so I think that's it's just, where's it going to go if it gets bigger and better fine, but I'm not convinced it is so if that's the case and it just carries on the way it is Sergio's just going to disappear and no one's going to know do you think he cares? Do I think he cares? I have absolutely no idea, which is quite worrying. This is the thing. See the reason Sergio was scraping bunkers and smashing clubs and kicking f- shoes and all that stuff. Do you know why he was doing that? Because he was fuming. Because that's because he cares. He absolutely. Sergio's a competitor. Absolute stone-cold competitor. Are you going to see him snapping clubs and throwing things and live? I don't think you are, because it's just not that environment. Why is he not fighting harder for something that he says he loves then, if he's that much of a competitor? That's a very good question. Because Sergio, Sergio to me is a man-child. He creates confrontation by his sheer personality. Yeah, he, he, he invites the he, wrong he, kind he, of atmosphere. He, he's the one, you know, he fell out with with Seve very, very yeah. early in his career. People don't realise that. You know, Seve, I wouldn't say Seve took him under his wing, but there was a potential relationship there and he fell out with him. Mm. Mind you, fell out, Seve fell out with everyone. <laughs> yeah. But so did Sergio. don't know. You look back at Sergio's career and you think, if he'd hold that putt at Cronesty, it could have been so different. But his attitude the whole day, I stank. You remember, I followed him. Stank. Yeah, On the yeah. Saturday night, it started in the presser when he was leading and someone said, you know, I don't want to cast memories back to 99. Last time the Open was at Cronesty. We all know what he did there. Kind on his mum's shoulder, and he shut it down. He's like, "No, no, 
then don't. And the room laughed. Sergio didn't. He went, no, I'm serious, don't. Showed up the next day. I remember watching him walking into the Carnoustie Hotel on his own, hands in his pockets, looking like the weight of the world was on him. Yeah. You are leading the Open Championship. You are playing better golf than any other player in the field. You are 18 holes from doing something that is going to define you. And you look like someone's told you you need to go and put your dog down. And then the, the, the greatest paradox about him, though, Bryce, is that he says he only wants to play places that he feels wanted. That's why he's not playing this week. But it's, 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 not, a, it's it, not a cuddling contest. I, I, I want to feel loved. Why is Sergio the only player who wants to feel loved? Because no one else says I that. always think the best thing is when you go somewhere where you're not loved and you just stick it to them. Like Patrick Reed. Yeah. Patrick Reed loves the attention. Yeah. Absolutely loves it. Why, why is it important to feel loved? I don't get that. And why don't other... If it's that important to people, why don't other players like, say what, what was it? You don't hear Brooks Kepka saying, oh, I want to feel loved. Is that not what Gary Neville said when they played Liverpool in the, in the heyday of Man United? said they used to love going to Anfield because he pumped them all the time. Mm-hmm. So they went there and they were hated. Yeah, Fans hated them. They said, we loved playing Liverpool because we just hammered them all the time. It was great. Mm-hmm. You think? That's an, that's an attitude of a winner who wants to go and face it. Yeah, And, and Sergio just is not quite like that. How many times has Sergio wilted? And this has turned into a bashing of Sergio, but... Here we are. Know, it's just... He's just got that personality. Last point on him then, let's move on. But finally, what's his legacy going to be, do you think? 50 years from now, when, when we are gone and all that's left... I don't know, the pro- history books. It depends how it finishes, but he'll probably be known as sort of this sort of angry, <laughs> troubled major champion and a Ryder Cup star. But now this is the thing, right? I keep going on about this at the Ryder Cup, but how are they going to address the former? Like, you look at Sky yeah. Sports. How many times have you watched those? Sky Sports do an unbelievably yeah. good job with those stories, creating stories like the Medical Medina and stuff in the interviews with Ian Poulter in a black room and things like that, and their lights on them. It's like, well, uh, well, <laughs> 14th, uh, Jim Furyk said, on the green in two. Uh, if I've got, I said to Billy, is that all that stuff? And it's like, these stories are brilliant. Yeah. You lap them up. How are they going to do that the next time the Ryder Cup comes along when it's Sergio and it's Mickelson and it's Kepka and now we've got DeChambeau's drives and we've got all the Poulter stuff with the <laughs> eyes and the chest pumps and how are they going to how are they going to not bring that to the forefront yeah. of all their showcase stuff because that's all European tour productions it's all yeah. it's all IMG it's all whatever it is not live. It's not live, so it, it it basically that will throw live golfers in your face during one of the biggest weeks in sport, and it's not what the European Tour will want. So how are they going to address that? I suppose it goes back to what we said at the start about a much bigger scale Ategi and how they dealt with that. I think they learnt a lesson at the weekend, which is don't try and rewrite history to suit your own future. Very difficult to do in something as big as the Ryder Cup, but they might need to. You can't tell the story of the last 30 years of the Ryder Cup. Without no. showing Poulter and exactly. Garcia. I mean, Garcia's the all-time points guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. On that point of the Ryder Cup, got a DM when you were on your holidays. Oh, uh, well, Michael, uh, <laughs> someone <thing> is... <laughs> someone has an issue with the way I pronounce the name of that match. And this, funnily enough, Bryce, this is a conversation that we had with previous members of staff who a- agree that I'm not saying it properly. This is from a Twitter account called Caveman. <coughs> Michael, forget the spelling. It's pronounced Ryder Cup. 
Ryder. Ah, we can't listen to Ryder Cup anymore. Please do something about it, or at least try. He's right. Well, he's not, actually. And this is the thing. I put this out there because I'm quite prepared to accept that I might be wrong. It's a West of Scotland thing because I've spoken to broadcasters about this point. I've done my due diligence, Bryce. Now, a lot of people listening in England or Ghana right now will be wondering what we're talking about. When you talk about that match in Glasgow, the West of Scotland, a lot of people pronounce it Ryder. It's the sound I as opposed to I. In England, America, they pronounce it Rye. There's no I sound in there. You don't call him. In England, you don't hear someone say he's a motorbike rider. He's a motorbike rider. So there is a distinction that exists only in Scotland. And don't cut in. I'm going to make my point here. So it then comes down to this. What is the origin of the name or the word? Now, if the origin is West of Scotland, pronounce it however you want and I will buy in. It's not that word. Rider from Rider Cup comes from the south of England, Old English, talking about someone who was mounted on horseback. Samuel Ryder was from the south of England, hence we in Scotland aren't pronouncing it the way it's meant to be pronounced. Or at least I am, others aren't. End of discussion. I'm right, you're wrong, caveman's wrong, it's as simple as that. So how do you say Sam Ryder? Sam Ryder. Rye as in... It rhymes say it again. Sigh, say it die, again. lie. Say it again. Sam Ryder. <laughs> this sounds wrong. But it's not. You're the one that's saying it wrong, you <laughs> yeah. moron. It's How Sam do you Ryder. Say it? How do you say it? Sam Ryder. One more time slower. Sam Ryder. Ryder. That's not right. I'm sorry. It's not. <laughs> it's just not. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, I had a, a well-known broadcaster. I won't say who he is, but he said to me that is just clearly a West of Scotland thing. Has to be. There is no I sound in there. That guy says this so call tournament's name rider. for a reason. Some rider. Basically, what we're saying is... Welcome to the rider cap. We're saying, pronounce your words properly, Glasgow. Yeah, stop being scum. Basically. No, 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 your, your word's not mine, not mine. But anyway, I think I've proven my point. Caveman, thank you for the, for the contribution. I hope I've cleared it up. I'm really sorry it stings your ears, but it's the rider cap. It's ridiculous. <laughs> of course it does. Because of where you're from. No, yes. I'm from Mulgai. Yeah. How do you spell Mulgai, Bryce? Go for it. Mulgai. How do you spell it? M-I-L-N-G-A-V-I-E. Oh, right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're not pronouncing it the way it's spelled. That's fine. But I'll let you away with it. Do you know why? My brother-in-law can because explain it's the why etymology. it's pronounced Mulgai, but I can't remember. There you go. Anyway, I think I've made my point. Speaking of points, let's move on to the pod of... <laughs> Rider. <laughs> Last week or the week before you went on your, your holidays, we <laughs> went with the Live Golf Bangkok tournament. Bryce, you chose for no reason other than you quite fancied picking him. Joaquin Neiman. He finished in a tie for 20th. I went for Cam Smith, who, as you recall, had won the previous event. Out of the 48 players in the field, Cam Smith finished tied for 41st. Going well. <laughs> Having been 7-1, the standings are now Bryce 6, Michael 7. Nice, eh? 
So this week, it is, it is tight. It's getting closer. It's getting, frankly, more interesting. Bryce, it's the CJ Cup taking place this week in the PGA Tour. And the honour remains yours. Who are you picking? Oh, I can't decide. You're not doing this, are you? Oh, I think I'll just go with Rory McIlroy. Who are you going to pick, Michael? I mean, Rory's the obvious one, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Which is why I picked him. him. Kind of like the idea of Tom Kim, but you can't win every week. Uh, Scheffler, I'm kind of... I'm stuck on two. Scheffler, I kind of want to pick. But I'm going to go for <laughs> John Ram. Interesting. Hot on the heels of his win, the Spanish Open, matching Seve. Life is good for John Ram just now. We said it about six weeks ago, maybe slightly longer. He needed to show something. He hasn't really been there this year. He's no, not he's shown not, it. He's not done anything this year, yeah. really. So now he's got the Spanish poor. Open win. He could finish the year strong. So, yeah, he's my guy. Okay. McElroy versus Ram, Clash of the Titans. Not Titans, because it's spelled with an I. Thanks very much. So, Clash of the Titans. Titans, thanks. Yeah, but will English people pronounce it Titans? Or will it be Titans? I'm not English, Bryce. I don't have all the answers. I just have most of them. So you could, if Rory wins this week, you're suddenly in the lead, order of merit. Which I think would be the first time in this calendar year. Imagine I go 8-7. CJ Cup taking place this week. And also we have the Mallorca... Open on the DP World Tour and the BMW Admit it, you thought it was over, didn't you? Uh, you thought the pod was over. You thought this is over. By now, I was expecting to be halfway yeah. through season five. All fantastic. And fantastic. Sorry to interrupt, but That's fine. carry That's on fine. with what you were saying. Before we get to Honesty Box, a little shout out, I think, for the Bunkered team. The Bunkered podcast is shortlisted for the Podcast of the Year Award at the PPA Scotland Awards. Basically, the Oscars of Scottish publishing. Yes, basically. And... Uh-huh. We're one of two podcasts shortlisted. If not, it's the Golden Globes. Yeah, podcast of the year. We're shortlisted alongside a podcast hosted by none other than Jackie Bird. Jackie Bird. Scottish media royalty. Absolutely. I love Jackie Bird, but I hope she loses. Yeah, (laughs) so do I. Sorry, Jackie. (laughs) Thanks for your service. But I hope you lose. I hope you lose. We're also shortlisted for, well, your good self, Mr. Ritchie, for Editor of the Year. Our Tiger cover, issue 195, is up for Magazine Cover of the Year. Bunkered Live, shortlisted for Event of the Year. And I'm up for Columnist of the Year. And if you read my recent thing on Divots, thanks, that that helped. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we're, we're up for five and I read that, and it genuinely... Angered me. Good. That's the point. Nothing worse than a column that makes you go, oh well. And I told I told you, when did I play? I played downfield and I landed in a divot on the... You, you didn't just tell me, you you sent me a picture yeah. at the time. 17th and my ball was in a divot. It was a good divot as well. I thought this, this was... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hanoi, McEwen. A divot mark. Yeah. And I had a to great satisfy shot. The, the pedants. Magnificent shot. Oh, good for you. Because I know how to play it out of it and I don't cry about it. That's excellent, please, for you. Anyway, we're up for five awards taking place in Edinburgh at the end of November. And yeah, we'll see what comes of it. Fingers crossed. Let's hope we get something. Something would be good. I think you can vote. I think people can, can the public not vote? For cover of the year, you can. Yeah. 
So tell you what, we'll, we'll share. Details. We'll send out an email blast every day for the next <laughs> month. <laughs> Last chance to vote. 40 hours to go. Hey guys, have you voted yet? <laughs> so yes, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on how we get on. Put it this way. If we win, something we'll tell you. If we don't, and you hear nothing more about it, assume we've lost. And Jackie Bird won. Right, okay. Honesty box. Let's finish up, Bryce, with I finished the sentence. You know that you are a golfer when... <sighs> it's got to be something like you always look at countries and you think it'd be a good golf course over there. Something like that. When you look at the countryside? Yeah. You're driving fit, along. You could yeah. fit a hole in there. and I do. Oh, but that, that whole scene of how they build golf courses just blows my mind. It's wild, isn't it? Blows my mind. How do you look at a blank piece of land and say, right, I'm putting a par three there? And, uh-huh. Yeah. Do you ever do that on a plane? You know, when you're flying somewhere and you just look down? Yeah, yeah. Sneaky wee par three in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. play spot the golf course. But it must be, I just don't know how they do it. I can't work out how they, you know, now they have writing and they figure it all out and paper and first and it just blows my mind. <laughs> my mind's too small to comprehend how they do it. <laughs> So if you look at the, if you look so you're at not Barnes, any design awards, no, I'm not saying. winning any design awards. I don't understand that. But you look at the uh, King's Barnes. Yeah. If you look at King's Barnes from the lower holes and you look at the tiers, like there's three tiers at King's Barnes. Mm. You look at it all, you think that's unreal. <laughs> that's so cool. And you look at the the land next to it was just fields. <laughs> they look crap. Those fields are rubbish. But, but what, then, could, what could they be? What could they be? Mm-hmm. But I think if you look into some of the, uh, if you look into some of the history of how they built Cypress Point, which is Nelson McKenzie mm-hmm. and Pebble Beach, uh, that's amazing. I suggest anyone delve deep into that if you're bored on a Sunday afternoon, just hit the internet and start reading about Cypress Point and how many people play it and how they built it and where they wanted certain holes and stuff. That's just phenomenal. That's one with the long par three yeah. right over water, doesn't uh-huh. it? Like 250 yeah, yards yeah. or something. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So how you are you... You know you're a golfer when you're looking at it like a train window, not that I take trains. <laughs> we'll go with plane. <laughs> you think, oh, that's a wee part three. What have you got play. against trains? That's just, that's just, I don't like Why? But, and buses take too long. Buses, the thing with buses is they're too slow. I can't, I just, I don't have time for this. Get a move on. The worst is when they stop and no one's getting on or off. It's just because well, I'm ahead of schedule, so I'm just going to wait here. No, mate, uh, let's just, everyone get their ahead of schedule. Yeah. And I know I'm, we're veering off the, you know, you're a golfer when, but spent too long at airports last week. I've never mm-hmm. understood why is it that airports don't work? What do you why mean? is it airports just take so long to do anything? That we spend all this money in space, <laughs> space exploration and all this mince up in the sky and they can't get a courtesy burst to work. And it's I don't understand. I've got, I've got. If anyone from Glasgow Airport is listening to this, I've got a suggestion. Right, bear with go. me. The long stay car park at Glasgow Airport. Right, mm-hmm. I know they've invested a lot of money in Glasgow Airport, and it's it's great airport. There's still lots of crap that you have to go through every time you go to Glasgow Airport. Why don't they invest in a walkway system that's covered from Glasgow Airport to the long stay car park, so that you don't have to wait half an hour for a courtesy bus then? 15 minutes to get everyone on the courtesy bus and then all the bags, kids with buggies and stuff. It's total madness. Why are we in, Why do we still have a shuttle bus for Longstay Car Park when it's literally a 15 minute walk from the... Why don't you just walk? Why don't we just walk? But why don't you just walk? That's my question. You can't. I don't think you, you can. can. 
I don't think you can. It's not inaccessible. The fact that you can drive your car into the car. No, no, but that's a, pu- that's a public road. There's no path there. There's no path on that road. Are you sure? Yeah. And you'd have to walk round and round about with your cases. It's a good point. It's like, why, why, why so do you put a tunnel a, underground I, I, I or something? So you're, or? you're asking for better infrastructure. Yeah. Why, do you, why are airports crap? Why is that the whole process of at an airport just so, so long and just such a pain in the ass? It, I mean, it in the airport me. is for security reasons, I think, probably quite justified. But it just annoys me. Yeah, Genuinely. It is, it's, it's not ideal. It takes so long. Anyway, you're a golfer when... <laughs> you get pissed off at airports. <laughs> you get pissed off at airports. We had some great answers to this question on social media. Scott Hend, DP World Tour Pro, uh, very funny man. He says, you know you're a golfer when your feet glow in the dark. <laughs> Georgie Bingham might recognise George she used to be on TalkSport and she says you know you're a golfer when your washing machine breaks and you just know it's going to be a broken tee that's the culprit has happened four times yeah that happens a lot actually happened to us about a year ago the repairman came out because I can't fix a washing machine and opened up the drum and sure enough there was a tee it's like that'll be the cause of it like, ah yeah sorry mate other good ones that we've had you yeah there you go you spend your entire flight looking at the window for a golf course you can say things like <laughs> you can say things like I really enjoyed that foursome without laughing <laughs> there's a rattling in your car you can't work out what it is you take it to the garage and they find a golf ball in with the spare tire Brilliant. Now I sold my car recently and trying to make it look semi-presentable for the people who are buying it I lifted that the lid. Ta- that must have taken long you a long time because your car was a hole. Well, yeah. you had upside down Coke cans and no, Mars. No, I did not. Yes, you did. I don't drink Coke. Mars bars. Nope. What? Haven't had a can of Coke since 31st well, of December 2020. Like and you had, like Mars bars that were out the packets. It was just revolting. That's class. Like driving in a bin. Anyway, you sold your car. And I found golf balls in this retire, <laughs> basically. <laughs> You had a dog called Hogan, R.I.P. That, that actually makes me feel quite sad. Hogan. Yeah. Good name for a dog, though. Kevin Craig's dog, God, dog is called Seve. Is it? Yeah. Mine's, my cat's called Simon, after Simon Dyson. Or Simon Holmes. Or Simon Holmes. Definitely not Simon Holmes. Simon Hobby. Right, okay, we've gone through the Simons. That's now. all of the Simons yes. in golf. And finally, Josh Jeffrey. We know Josh, he's a regular contributor to the Bunkered Social Channels. He said, when you're out shopping, you find yourself practising your swing in the window reflection of Topshop. Done that many a time. Although Topshop doesn't exist I was on the say, high street anymore, yeah, Josh. He's going so back in time. That's showing his age. That's a vintage tweet. But I quite like Mark Hainsworth's reply to Josh saying, when you can visualise a baby fade from the soup aisle into the wines and spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark, you may have a problem. May have a problem. Anyway, send us more of your answers to that question. You know you're a golfer when. Slip into our DMs and, and give us your best answers. We'll read them out on next week's episode. That is it for this week. Bryce, thank you very much. Nice to see you back. And Thanks for having me. No more holidays this year? I said that to the wife, actually. We're not probably not going to go on holiday for about the next eight months. Excellent. So we can get back into doing weekly podcasts and give yeah. people what they want. Yeah, for the next eight months. For the next eight months. Because we're poor, basically. Because everyone's poor. Next eight months. I wonder how many Prime Ministers that'll be. <clears throat> Quite a few. That's just going to be boring, isn't it? Yeah. Although I'm looking forward to Christmas. 
what's that got to do with Prime Ministers? I'm just looking forward. I've not In got a holiday to look terms. forward to. I've got to remember, look forward to Christmas. Remember, you need to get preparing because you're hosting the last podcast. The last podcast. You haven't forgotten? I haven't forgotten. Good. Glad to hear it. Anyway, thank you for your time and insights as always. Thank you to you guys for listening and for your contributions and to Callaway Golf for their continued support. We'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye for now. Bye.